Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited. And while I go through my rigmarole, you guys should be doing your rigmarole. Hit the uh, like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell that we get your email every day that we go live, which is of course, every day. So, um, quick little side note, none of us are doctors, so if you do hear anything, it is all our own personal experience. And uh, if you're interested in something, do your own research, by all means. If you have any questions or comments, by all means, uh, put them up in the comment section. That way we can engage them and discuss them on the show, just like these ones, like Chris K. Happy Monday, gents. Winter storm. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Any thoughts or questions before we dive into the conversation? Just really looking forward to seeing where it goes. It's going to be interesting. So <laughs> today's topic. upward. I'm going to break some rules. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, today's topic on Resilience Week, actually, let's talk about that first, is that for the rest of this week, for the next seven days, we're going to be talking resilience. We're going to do some deep diving on this, and we're going to hit different facets. We're going to hit the different pillars. We're going to do all kinds of things from different angles. And uh, since initially when spiritual strength came up, I was thinking that it might be a tough conversation to do without touching on religion at the same time. I figured let's put it up front because it's, for me, let's see where it goes. Um, right off the bat, I have kind of a, a summary as to what I, may, what I mean by spiritual strength that I'm going to touch on here. But uh, right after that, then I'll get to your guys' uh, thoughts on that. So here we go. It says here, and this is multiple. This is for multiple things here, so I'm just going to touch on each one of these. It says, spiritual strength refers to the degree of inner beliefs and the ability to operate in spiritual things, such as loving people, being anxious for nothing, or joyful amid trouble. Um, it is an undaunted steadfast, steadfastness of heart, whereby you can overcome fear for all danger and opposition, unyieldingly engage in warfare, and courageously persevere in all your endeavors. So that's an initial starting point, but I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on what you believe in spiritual strength and what that kind of meaning is in, in regards to resilience. Let's focus that a little bit. So Eric, I'm going to put you up first. What yeah, man. Think? Yeah. So when I heard spirituality and then uh, like spiritual strength and reviewed the the notes on the show, which is to avoid topics such as, right? <laughs> and so I was like, okay. Like, I, I actually like that prompt because when I am prompted with what is spirituality, I would say connection to larger things. And the, the definition or the summary that you just briefed uh, reminds you that it's the intangible, right? So the non-physical. So that could be so many things outside of talks directly about religion or uh, belief in a higher power. I think it's the connectivity to uh, the greater and the greater could be the greater good. The greater could be humanity, right? Um, the things that you're talking about as far as loving someone, that's, that's intangible, right? You can't see it, necessarily feel it. Uh, but if we get outside of our technical brains, then we can recognize it's very much there. And as far as how it ties in with resilience, uh, resilience being that uh, ability to bounce back, that, uh, that, inner strength and purpose uh, you can't really do that without having belief in something more important than you or what's in front of you or what you can see and feel hmm. interesting seb what do you think mm -hmm. yeah i mean that was a great 
uh, sort of knock out of the park on that first on that first go around. It's a very complex and multi layer concept, and it's not as simple as we make it out to be. And it's and 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 it's quite evident that most people associate it immediately with religion, but religion is just one aspect of this. At the end of the day, it speaks to purpose primarily. This is why it makes it so important for us. But it can be found in religious connections. It can be found in personal growth endeavors. It can be found in connection to others or or the universe or nature. It can be found in, in your ethics and values, supernatural belief to a certain extent for some people. And I really don't care what makes you a good person, personally. Whatever works, I'm in. As long as it makes you be a good person, I'm good to go. And so, you know, some people are really invested in their well-being and healing power. And, they, and, they, and, they, and that's another aspect of it. There's, there's cultural and uh, sort of philosophical traditions associated with it that people will engage in. And I really like that. Now, what's important for, as far as the correlation with the resilience piece, again, purpose is my number one, and I believe it is the number, I believe it is the number one. And then you have your community, you have your coping strategies, your mindfulness, et cetera, right? And then you start building a framework around, around how you're <clears throat> negotiating reality. And if you see, if you focus on things that are larger than just you, automatically it opens your brains up for, you know, more positive emotions. Whereas if you're very self-centered, you'll start sort of stewing in negative emotions. So there's a million different things that happened when you, when you start focusing on other things. Yes. Um, and it, it, it's, it offers a transcendent perspective as well, which, which means if I look at things that are occurring to me, how do I find perspective in this rather than adopting that, you know, very common victim mentality and now start stewing in your own crap, so to speak. So mm -hmm. anyways, those are all, it's a very, very multi-layered concept, but very Absolutely. important. Yeah. Sean, what are your thoughts? Well, it is quite complicated and complex, and that's why our standing rule over here is we don't touch on the subject of religion per se. And, and when the subject comes up, if, if we have guests on who uh, are strong um, proponents of any form of religion, if they're speaking on the panel through that lens of that's, that's a part of their conversation, well, we'll never shut down that conversation. Uh, but our conversation over here is not about religion. It's about perhaps how religion uh, applies to a certain guest's life to some degree, but we'll never overly focus on the subject of religion. But spiritual strength is not religion, as Eric stated, and I quite like how he uh, proposed it as the opening salvo, and that is connecting to the greater. What is the greater? Well, as I was thinking about it, uh, I, I mean, <clears throat> spiritual strength, and I really like those two words combined together, by the way. Um, spiritual st strength is not this. Uh, I, can, I can touch my shell of my body, and that is not my spirit, that is not my spirituality, that is not my spiritual strength. I can look all around me, and I can form all of the patterns of the world externally outside of my shell, and I might be able to see spirituality out there, maybe. Um, and then I've got my head, my brain, which does all of the processing of what this shell takes on as bandwidth. 
my brain can have all kinds of ideas about spiritual strength, but I feel as Eric stated initially, connecting to the greater really captures the essence of it for me. And that is my shell and my peanut act together. And I can find spirituality somewhere inside this shell, not inside my brain, not inside my forearm, but somewhere inside my existence. And I can also find it somewhere outside of my existence through maybe it's a sunrise, maybe it's a sunset, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a moment, maybe it's a memory, maybe it's something external to me that I can't reach out and, and poke that shell. And so if I look at my friends, if they're doing something that I deem as spiritually strong, I might be able to reach out and touch my friend, but that's not what I'm touching as I touch them. I can see the spiritual strength within them. I just can't pour it into a cup and hand it off to someone else, which is an important aspect of this conversation that hopefully will come up uh, in a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, just want to hit on this real quick, Satch in Motion. Good morning, team. Morning, Satch. Good to see you. Um, and you're absolutely right. Eric, you got any additional thoughts now that we've opened up the convo a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they're so intertwined, right? We talk about spiritual strength and that that purpose, right? That connection to something greater. So it's it's what motivates you, inspires you, and in tune with resilience. I mean, when we think about resilience, it's, it leads right into thinking about hardship and uh, the ability to demonstrate that resilience or lack of for some people or some people in some moments. Uh, but I think about myself personally, and every time that I've uh, found myself in a an unideal situation, um, it, I've always had to uh, think about something much greater than myself, right? I'd had to think about legacy or I had to think about values and all the things that Seb covered um, a multitude of them, right? Or even even your smaller difficult things, right? Like uh, I'll say, uh, well, this, this might be extremely large for some people, but um, losing a pet, right? Losing a pet is really rough. Um, but when you think about nature in a greater context, you realize the circle of life and all these things and you realize that your little troubles are a speck in in at least the physical world, even if you want to just lim limit it to that level. So, um, again, I just they're absolutely intertwined as far as uh, recognizing where you where you derive your spiritual strength or your strength at all, and it's going to be in the spiritual realms um, when it comes down to whether you can climb out of that that hardship or not. Interesting. So, have you got something to add to that? <clears throat> Yeah, earlier Eric mentioned love, and, and I really like that Sean also hit on the same point, which is how do you quantify this? Mm. And, and, you know, if you go to a parent right now and you go, hey, you're a, you're a bit of a science, scientifically minded person. Do you, like, do you love your kids? Yeah, show me. Like, how, how, do you, how do you actually quantify this? So it's very difficult. And it, when, when things are nebulous like this, it implies a certain amount of faith, you know? And when I say faith, I don't mean necessarily religious faith, but there has to be something that you necessarily don't have your, your, you know, your finger on specifically or something that in, in, involves some sort of greater belief. And that is an interesting piece because... For me, it always becomes some like this. If I believe in this, and if this is what I feel this is, and I am correct, it helps me. If I'm incorrect, it doesn't not help me. 
So, so at the end of the day, I don't know if that makes any sense. It's, it's almost, it's almost like there, you got nothing to lose. You got nothing to lose by, by, by investing and by, and I believing in certain things that can help you if they do in fact help you. And so, um, and that's kind of the concept of faith, which is generally associated with religion, but it, it can be in, in the context of spirituality. So just something to bear in mind, none of the stuff that we're talking about today is quantifiable and we can have a hundred different people talk about various experiences and none of us will be able to prove what we're saying. So at some point there has to be, there has to be an inner path and a journey that's, that's occurring inside and, and, and that brings you a bit of peace of mind that you are doing it correctly. Interesting. Or incorrectly. Sean? You're muted there, bud. That is true. And uh, it's it's not our job to prove it to anyone else. It's not our job to demonstrate what our spiritual strength is. Um, and so what our job is, is to prove it to ourselves. Understand our own spirit. Spiritual and spirit. I like the word spirit, to be honest. It's the spirit within us. And it's the spirit external to us. And how do we understand the spirit around us and the spirit inside of us? Well, if you're five years old, you probably don't know too much about either of those two things. But the older you get and the more attention you pay to the subject, the more you understand. And at some point in your life, you'll find that you understand your own internal spirit enough and the external spirit world enough that you can start forming patterns. However old you are, it doesn't much matter, but your job is to start forming patterns to better understand you and the externality of the world. And so if you do that long enough, at some point in your life, you'll get to a point where you're going to have a debate. You're going to debate your own spirit. And if you've been doing your job right, if you've been doing, running your program well, if your life has been well run, you should know when the moment arises within your spirit that things have aligned, the pattern is obvious, and you're now at a branching point. Do you go left or do you go right? Do you have faith in the understanding of your own spirit or do you ignore the truth of the matter and keep denying the direction that you should go? It's tricky. It's tricky. But in that moment, you're also developing your spirit by by analyzing your spirit in the moment, you're strengthening your spirit, your understanding of who you are by having that internal debate. So the friction in the moment is good. That's what we all need from time to time to better understand our internal spirit. The devil is in the details though, as they say, and you know, the, these kind of branching moments kind of set us up for the rest of our lives. If you go one way, the other way isn't thrown out the window and you never get to do it again. But they're important moments. And in these important moments, you've got to rely back or fall back on the understanding of yourself. And we all know when it feels right. What we all struggle with is the dissonance of not believing that it's right. <clears throat> yeah. Eric, you nice. got anything to add on that? I love that. I actually hadn't, I don't think I've actually conceptualized it in the way that I am now with what you said, um, Sean, but it's, it's likened a lot to the other dimensions of strength that we can think of much more easily than this intangible and sometimes very uh, polarizing topic, right? 
because of how people want to interpret it. But we think about the physical nature, like fitness and muscle, um, but just getting fitter and stronger, uh, we have to tear that to build it back up, right? Um, and you can think about that in, in a, a cognitive way where you have to you have to hit the books, you have to study, you have to pour yourself in where your brain might literally hurt because of what you're learning, but then you have to conceptualize it kind of in that, I guess, in that, like, you know, crucible of, of building that up. Um, but in that spirituality sense, you, we can all think of people that we've known or we've seen that might have seemed to have the strongest resolve in what they believe in. But when stuff hit the fan, how did they come out of it? And for a lot of people, they, you know, they stumble back and they regroup and then they can build up, right? That's that resilience that we're talking about in the context of this week. But for others, uh, you know, we talked about the the idea of victim mentality just briefly before we started recording. But others, you know, they might have been the loudest ones shouting from the rooftops about what life's about, what everything's about. But then when they're first faced with that adversity, they're crumbled and they're so lost because they don't have that strength. They haven't had those little or they haven't interpreted those little challenges as a means to build their resolve and build their uh, build their resilience and their tenacity. So I love that and thinking about spiritual health and strength in that similar context Sam, you look like you got something oh man i got lots of things this is an Give awesome her. conversation I... <laughs> let's do it what do you got i love everybody <laughs> mm. we love uh, you man you know bro hugs <laughs> you know you know it's it's just it's it's so crazy man there's so much truth bomb being dropped here i feel like you're gonna have your work cut out for you chance and trying to get the best nuggets out of this but man so much of this is is absolutely applicable and just to go back to what uh sean was talking about at the intersection what's funny with human beings is that we 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 literally when we when we go forward we're unable to see what the path lies ahead like we know we may have an idea of general direction but we don't know what steps need to be taken you know at each um sort of at each point but but what happens is once we reach whatever version of success is for us we now look back and this is all evident to us now it's like oh yeah all along this was so the question becomes were the signs less obvious then or were, were you less open to seeing them right and i think that that speaks to spirituality a lot and so for me when sean mentions getting at intersections that is the story of my life i've had that so many times where it life is pushing me so to speak in a direction and it's gently showing me the way and i'm like okay is this it is this it and you you have this self-doubt that creeps that creeps on and i think the reason why most people start developing a a more acute sense of spirituality once they get to be 40 and 50 is because they spent 35 years testing that Right. And they and they have a tracking history now that they can they can rely upon to form, a, 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 you know, the, the framework around how they use the spirituality. So if there is anything that we could do beneficial today, it would be to start listening earlier, start testing those boundaries earlier instead of instead of, you know, being doubtful the entire time and then 10 years later a decade later once you've already it's already it's already proven to be right five six seven eight times and you still need more evidence to support the fact that this is what you need to be doing or that you need to be listening to the voices and when i say voices i mean that you know 
in a metaphorical way, not if you hear if you're actually hearing voices, <laughs> go see your side. <laughs> this could be problematic. <laughs> but um, but you know, and, and so I, I really I really love that. And and for me, when I look back, the one wish I have, which of course is is not a regret, it's just the way it is, is it took me so long to trust. And once you start doing it, you're you you know you're relinquishing so much stress associated with making everything perfect. Like, I know that I need to be going this general direction. Although I do not know exactly where I need to be going, I know I need to be going this general direction and have a continue following this nebulous path, which isn't clearly lit up. But I'm going to do it with some conviction and some faith, therefore manifesting the things that I want to see. It's just such an interesting concept, but it, it requires connection. It requires connection to the world around you. It, it requires connection to people. It requires connection to the, the things that we take for granted. Absolutely. Uh, Sean, I'm going to come to you here in a second, but uh, Dave, good morning. Good morning, Good Dave. to see you. Uh, I do want to hear from all y'all in the uh, comment section here. How do you guys see this? How, what do you guys believe as spiritual strength? Actually, hit us up in the comments so that we can add it into the conversation. Sean, what are your thoughts on what's going on? Well, Seb uh, used an interesting word there, intersection. And I've said it many times myself, branching point, intersection point, inflection point, yada, yada point, all the points, point on top of my head. I've said uh, these kind of things lots and lots of times, but today was the first time that I thought about it just a touch differently, <clears throat> and it might be useful for this conversation. So Seb had said you get to that intersection and bam, first thing that uh, hopped into my mind for the first time is it's like a traffic light. Hmm. You've got red you've got yellow, and you've got green. And I've tried to run my life like I'm running a yellow. I, I don't slow down for the yellow. <laughs> I scan left and right real quick, and I run that light safely, kind of. So I don't, I'll stop at a red for sure. And of course, I'm going to go on a green. But most of my life has been the yellow of the traffic light. And uh, just a little bit of understanding of how the world works, a little bit of situational awareness, a little bit of understanding the rules of the game called traffic. And beyond that, I've committed to just pushing through, just, and just making the move, rather than slowing down thinking that that green light is about to turn yellow, I better start slowing down right now in anticipation of it turning yellow. That's not how I've run my life. I also don't have any tickets for running any red lights either, by the way. But um, I, I, I think that it's important if you can see... <laughs> I think it's important if you can see your life as a yellow light and uh, run it that way. It's not a bad way to start visualizing uh, uh, how to engage things like this matter. It's a, it's a very interesting analogy, too, because... There's lots of ways we can go on this, but uh, my first thought was, you know, there's times where you see the light turn yellow and then you're judging your distance, you're judging the gap and you're like, my speed, am I, would I make it? I don't really know. And you haven't quite made a decision and in that time of, it, it could be, <laughs> the lights turn red. And now you're too far into the intersection and now like, you, you, now you just ran a red light because you... <laughs> because of the hesitation involved initially. And I love the fact that you pointed, uh, you brought up the fact that just like, I'm clearing, I'm clearing it. There's no question 
in making it through. You're just going. And there's a, uh, it's an interesting concept that I'm playing with in my head. Well, what's like even it. more interesting, what will twist your head a little bit more is if you're the only one in the car making those uh, fuzzy map mm. decisions, mm. well, that's a whole different thing than if you're in a car full of a team, mm -hmm. as it were. Just food for thought. Like this is that. a fantastic metaphor. Yeah, because there's there's moments uh, the cop has to say something, right? Uh, no, but there's moments where you're right with the context that you know Chance is saying. Well, what about your speed and what about I mean, what about time of day and how like busy is traffic, right? There's going to be a point where you're hitting that yellow where it's irresponsible to slam on the brakes. You won't be able to dump the speed. You might cause a collision behind you. There's times where you have to commit, right? And then there's probably like that really fine area where you'd have to take that leap of faith because maybe you were paying attention to other things. Maybe you're distracted and maybe you shouldn't have even been that distracted in the first place when you're running your program. Right. As, as Sean says in these critical moments, but I love the, I mean, so many, so many levels you could expand it with who's in the car with you. What are you driving? Right. That might, that might make a difference too. That is a hundred percent. We can go all over the place. Uh, hmm. Julie Kelly kicks in and says, morning. I like to speed up to make it <laughs> full gas. <laughs> and, but there is a warning on this because I've seen this many times where you have somebody anticipating a red or anticipating a green from red where they start to lean into the intersection mm -hmm. because they know that the light is going to turn green. But then you also have somebody trying to smash through that yellow that's a bit late and then you have major collisions that happen that way, right? So there is, uh, this is another form of that analogy in the fact that you, you are making a risk assessment and you're making a call on that and saying, all right, let's see. And then you have to deal with consequences afterwards. And I think that that plays a lot into the resilience portion of it because there's going to be speeding tickets. There's going to be running red light tickets. There's going to be collisions. There's going to be all kinds of things that happen in life that you're going to need that either the buy-in to say, I made the right call regardless of what it turns out or I got to learn from that because it was a bad decision. Seb, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, and we're we're metaphorically talk speaking about certain things, but what what we need to realize is that risk assessment associated with with physically running a, a yellow light is much higher generally than than what we're gonna see in life, and so humans are, gen are, are will will already magnify the risk associated with whatever X, Y, and Z. But when you look at what could possibly go wrong, the majority of the time those things are not catastrophic, whereas running a red light, getting T-bone or, or head-on collision is catastrophic. And so I, I, I love the analogy. I think, it, I think it's a great analogy. We just, it's important to understand that the consequences are different, right? <laughs> and, and mostly because when we, when we find ourselves at those crossroads where we have to tap into tracking history, spirituality, and our inner beliefs and all this good stuff, we are generally not looking at life or death, generally. I mean, it can happen, yes. You know, if you're making an assessment whether or not you want to you want to take cancer treatment or or try the holistic approach, you know, you, you now its consequences are are heavy. Mm. But aside from that, and so it's important to understand that hey man, take a leap of faith, try it, see what happens, see if you're if you were good at reading life, and if you and if you were good at reading the signs that you had, and what it does ultimately is it reinforces your ability to do it. It reinforces the f the faith and the trust that you have in yourself to understand when life tells you 
X, Y, and Z. And once you start understanding that, you can negotiate life a lot easier because what also happens along the way is we miss all kinds of signs. We, we need it to be, you know, drawn on a napkin with pictures and <laughs> graphs and, and directions and everything. It, it seems like when you talk to people, and this is why when we're having conversations with other people as a third party and you're discussing certain things, you're like, man, how can you not see that? You know, because they're ingrained in it, they're involved in it, they're, they're not detached from it. Whereas we're detached from it, we can look at the bigger picture and say, man, this is a clear path to me, for you. But for the person, it isn't, you know. So that's something that we, that's important to acknowledge is that when somebody else is looking at the circumstances. So one of the things I always tell people is if you find yourself at an intersection and you have, you have had all these signs, what would you say to your best friend if they came to you with the same predicament? If the answer is this is clear, then what are you waiting for? You know, that's a great point. Eric, you got any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I love the uh, the the phrase and the notion of detachment that Seb just hit on in this whole conversation, right? Because you, it might seem counterintuitive, but you have to detach from certain things in life to actually accept all the the openness and the the levels that you wouldn't under otherwise understand with life and beyond. Um, I believe, you know, talking about spirituality. Um, and I think you have to detach to have that openness because if you don't, then you, you only pay attention to what you see and you only know what you know. Um, I think it goes right in hand with, uh, intentionality to do that, um, intentionality to be open, to receive those signs. Right. We, uh, uh I think about the old joke, uh, where, you know, there's a guy stranded on an island and he prays every day to be saved, you know, by his, uh, you know, his, his higher being, right, his God. Um, and then there's a guy in a rowboat that asks if he needs help. He's like, no, God will save me. Right? And then there's a cruise ship. God will save me. And then a plane overhead that's like, hey, we can come back and pick you up. I got a ladder. And he's like, no, 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 God will save me. And he dies. Uh, and it's all to say, you know, God's like, what did what happened, man? He's like, I was waiting for you to save me. He's like, dude, I sent three different people to try to save you. Um, but if we're so locked into what we perceive will be, um, and that could go all sorts of directions in this conversation, but um, something that popped into mind with regard to that, that prompt. I like that. Sean, you got any thoughts? I got a comment here from Doxy, but you got anything beforehand? Just, uh, just maybe wrap up the uh, traffic light analogy. The, as Seb said, as you're approaching the traffic light, uh, all along the way, you might see 10 signs that say upcoming intersection hmm. as you're driving towards it. And, I, I, you know, we're, we're all used to seeing the signs and we're all used to ignoring the signs because they're there all the time. <laughs> There's the intersection that we always approach and we're going to make the decision that we always make perhaps based on our experiences and our fuzzy math that we do and our predictive analysis and all the good things. And so uh, it's our moment then to take on the signs that are being demonstrated to us as we approach the intersection and make the right decision that feels right for us in the time that is good for us, but not just good for us, good for the traffic flow, man. You know, the... Uh, <laughs> If if we're going to decide on just a yellow light, well, that's only a small part of the equation if all we're thinking about is our safety. It's the safety of everyone around us. It's the, it's the traffic flow of the planet that we're interacting with in that moment. 
And um, I think that if you if you have a strong spirit, you can um, engage in whatever is in front of you with the faith, not a religious faith, but the faith in yourself through the patterns that you formed in your life and the externalities that you've observed over time. You can have faith that your decision is a good decision. And if it's only 80% correct, we'll all course calibrate. It's, it's just moving through an intersection and looking for the next exit strategy on the highway of life, as it were, or the next on-ramp, or the next gas station, or the next whatever, fill in the blank. Life is a, a journey for sure, and we all understand the pattern. It's, it only gets difficult when we stop ignoring the patterns, I feel. That's a great point. Uh, and any other thoughts on that before I hit this comment here? Just a quick one, because yeah, um, it, it ties right into what Sean was saying here about the signs. Predisposing yourself and having the ability to see the signs is simply a decision. There's no big secret sauce there. It's not, you know, how can I mystically achieve this level where I can now see the signs? It's like, no, are you looking for signs? You know, and, and use that cognitive bias to your advantage. It's not always negative. It's like, no, I, I will be seeking signs along the way. And so the question then becomes from a philosophical standpoint, if I am seeking certain things, am I producing those things? Whatever manifests what it is that you want, I couldn't care less how you get to it. Stop focusing too much on what's what and what isn't. Does it serve the higher purpose, which is for you to see certain things and to identify certain patterns that you're able to, you know, sort of action against, so to speak? Yeah. Eric, you got anything uh, to add on that? Uh, not directly on that. Not directly on that. Well, you can hear <laughs> well, the comment, yeah. I, I, I do directly on that, oh, though. Okay. Um, I think that, uh, as Seb said, you've, you've got to accept that you're executing against something greater. Uh, and back, it, it, it keeps going back to what Eric said, connecting to the greater, whatever that means to you. But I do feel that, and, and I know that Seb uh, wasn't implying this, that um, the default line of questioning in our own heads is how, how to connect to the greater outside of us. But the greater is inside of us. The, the greatness inside of us is what creates the greatness outside of us. Mm -hmm. if, if, we are, if we're small and underwhelming, how do we connect to greatness or how do we create greatness? I think we've all got to take a certain leap of faith in respect to our own spiritual strength and understand that we should flex a little bit from time to time, flex our spirit so that others can see that spirit flex and in so doing, encourage them to flex themselves. If we all just flex the spirit a little bit more, I think the world would be a whole lot better for sure. Interesting. Uh, just I got a couple of comments here. I'm going to hit and we're going to carry on with the conversation. But uh, Doc C says, uh, Epictetus once said it's our perspectives of the event that disturb us, not the event itself. Yep. How we frame what we are going through is, is, is important, as Seb says. And he carries on. Eric is so right. It's all about perspective. And then he carries <laughs> My apologies. Good morning to all. So. <laughs> uh, good morning, Doc. Good morning. Um, but I think this is, this is right because when I was initially thinking about spiritual strength and it led me back down the path of mindset, right? And the, uh, the ability to just accept and move forward or um, drive 
for what you want. And so the question I have that I wanted to kind of figure out is, is there a line between trusting your own will or, you know, buying into what it is you want and being overconfident and being, say, have delusions of grandeur, I guess, at like the extreme. And I was just wondering where you think that, where does that line sit? Where does that, how can someone tell whether they're being overconfident versus trusting in what they're doing? Hmm. Big question, I know. So, Seb? Yeah, it's, it, it has nothing to do with the intent. It's the work that doesn't match the intent. You can have the, you can have the loftiest goal in the world if you're putting the work in. Mm. I'm in. We'll support you. And you should support yourself. But the problem is if, if your goals are far, far exceeding your work, that's where, that's where. And, but you're sitting back on your laurel as if everything is good to go and you're going to reach that. I got some news for you. You're being overconfident. You're not actioning what you need to be doing. So if you're putting, if you're putting your, if you're aligning your thoughts and actions at a visceral level, it, who's to say to you that your goals are too lofty? Mm. Not me. I like that. Eric, what do you think? Yeah. When you first had that question, I was trying to think of how to even attack that, but, um, like how Seb says, you know, makes it about your goals and putting in the work. And what I would add to that is, uh, you have to be clear on your goals, right? So if you are, if you are doubling down, you're digging your trench and, or, you know, or so to speak, the metaphor of like, this is the hill you want to die on. Like, is it really, have you really fleshed it out to every extent, right? So if your goal is to be, you know, the world champion in X sport and you will do everything it takes to be that world champion, then it's not cocky if you have the means, right? If you have the things to back it up, but not just the intent and not just putting in the hours, but do you have the actual aptitude uh, do you have the team behind you? Are you willing to sacrifice everything else as as most greatest achievers do to some extent, right? Whether it's family goals, whether it's other personal endeavors, whether it's financial goals. If you truly do and there's no asterisk, then sure. But if if your goal is to be the the best athlete I can be while still being a pretty good family man and a <laughs> decent entrepreneur and a, a good hobbyist, you know, in art, then like, that's totally cool too. Right. But that's a very different goal. If you have these other, um, these other tangible things filtering in. And I think that that also plays well into resilience because in order to define that, you have to know how to define your goal and be very specific about it. And uh, I guess the last point that's hovering in my brain when thinking about that uh, is, is again, going back to the openness, right? Um, you might be right in your head and you might have this this arduous, fantastic goal, but if you're so close-minded to the things around you, like what it would take to accomplish that goal, then is that your goal? Is your goal to have the goal or is your goal to accomplish the, the closest thing to it? <laughs> Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I like both of those answers. The um, I think for myself, and I suppose I can speak for quite a number of people that I've observed over the years. I think that if we're talking about spiritual greatness, perhaps, uh, I think you've got to have a certain sense of not quite overconfidence, but in order to, ch to achieve greatness, I think that you've got to really believe in yourself. And uh, what does that mean? Well, you can call it you spiritually believe in your own spirit or you can call it 
observing the logic loop over decades and understanding that x plus y equals z. Any way you want to, whichever way you want to look at this, you can feel it or you can know it. Uh, but at the end of the day, in order to pursue greatness, you've, you've kind of got to ignore some of the naysayers. And here's the crux of the matter. You've kind of got to ignore the naysayer within yourself. And that's hard, man. Especially if, uh, like myself, I got a little bit of that uh, uh, imposter syndrome. And so I'm in a pretty regular battle with myself of pushing the envelope way more than I think I should or can or ever will. Or is that even possible? Or I can't believe I'm going to do this. All of the thoughts that go through my head whenever I take on something greater than myself. Uh, requiring a, an external spirit as well as an internal spirit bigger than I think I've got. In order to uh, leap across the chasm, as it were, I think um, you've, you've got you've to reach for greatness, maybe greatness that you don't even believe you can ever achieve. Along the way, you'll figure it out. But I think big goals, big dreamy jump across the chasm goals, well, I think they're righteous goals that everyone should have. That is how a person will get better clarity on how strong their spirit is. And it will also give you a pretty good insight as to the people around you and what they are observing in the sense of spirit. If they start adjusting their life based on what they're seeing in your life, uh, it's usually a pretty telling uh, indication. Got anything to add to that, Seb? <clears throat> yeah, I do. Um, <clears throat> I really like that concept of super lofty goals. And I, I, I always like to refer to Theodore Roosevelt saying, pick goals so lofty that even failing counts as secondary achievement. Mm. You know, and I, I, I love that. I, I, I love everything about that because it implies failure. It implies all the things that we are so deathly afraid of that are making us better. And, um, and, and to go back to something that, um, I believe Eric was talking about with respect to, uh, are people knowing what they want, but shutting their mind to the things that will help them achieve those goals. So I don't know if you guys have been following the, um, the ultimate fighter this season. It's, it's actually quite interesting, but, uh, but one of the A guys is, yeah. So one of the guys behind. is, he's really, he's really, he's really talented. Uh, but you know, he was, he was, he's used to training with Connor in his camp over in Ireland. And now he was selected as part of a team that's helped, that's led by Mike Chandler, Mike Chandler, by all account. And from what we could see is an incredible coach, but the entire time this guy had in the back of his mind, well, my coaches are over here. And so the entire time he's like pushing against and doing his own thing and not being a team player and not putting in the work the way he should. And he's just dreaming about, you know, going back to the team, which eventually he does. But this entire time, what, what he has done effectively for himself is he's negated himself nine weeks of incredible training, which was different from what he knew. Incredible growth could have come out of that. And, and so his dream is to be the best fighter there is, but his actions do not jive with whatever it is that his dream is. So, so you see that all the time. And it's really difficult to know if you're disabling yourself on account of X, Y, and Z. So it's try to regain that perspective. And perspective is a loop that's never ending. 
you don't get you don't gain perspective all of a sudden i have perspective for the week i'm good to go like you have to do that incessantly it's a it's a never-ending loop so that you you may navigate life and and be more precise with your actions you know <clears throat> eric you got something to add to that yeah, I like that. It, it just reminds me of just a sense of openness, right? When you want to be resilient, you want to build strength, and you have to be open to feedback. You have to be open to other ideas. You have to be open to op opportunities and challenges and how to how to accomplish those challenges rather than push against or avoid them, um, which is, you know, to deny that opportunity to overcome adversity. It's to deny the opportunity to grow. Um, I think I'd be remiss when if I didn't mention just kind of my context and being a police officer in the last few years, which was, you know, 2020 to 2022 was the highest, you know, amount of tr attrition, uh, you know, I'd say nationwide in the U S but I think Canada's very much in tune with that as far as Western culture and, and talking about police reform where it was very normal and I was one of them. Right. So I'm not, not trying to shame anyone from being absorbed in all the adversity we're facing. And we have fewer people, and we have more restrictive laws and we have this public scrutiny and the social media scrutiny and all these things. But ultimately, you know, after you feel those things for so long, you make a choice whether you're going to stay in that echo chamber or whether you're going to climb out of it. And for me, it was, you know, essentially doubling down for my local PD, uh, you know, building Blue Grit Wellness, right? The tagline as far as like this, this passion project of mine, which is to try to help elevate everyone, you know, first responders, military, the community at large for this greater uh, encompassing of things. Like I realize I'm one guy and I can motivate my guys, you know, the the seven to 15 that I might work with it on a day to day, but I could also approach it in a different sense. Um, and what empowered me to do that and what motivated me to do that was the sense that i just truly believed that it was going to be helpful for everyone, uh, the greater community at, at large. Um, without that, uh, you know, I certainly had my moments and still have my moments of imposter syndrome as Sean shares, but, uh, without that, where would I be? I'd be stewing with a lot of other cops that say, woe is me, uh, whether they stay or whether they go. And in the context of this conversation, there's a lot of cops that believe that people are bad and people are evil and they'll take advantage of you and you shouldn't trust anyone. But I have chosen that I, that's not the way I want to live. That's not the way, uh, that's not the energy I want to about. And so I've been labeled as an optimist in the profession. I've been labeled as an idealist. And it doesn't feel like that at times, but it is the intentionality to return from these periods where I feel pretty low and pretty frustrated and to say, well, I don't want to stay there. What can we do to climb back out and what can we do to charge forward? I like it. Sean, you got some thoughts? I'll come back to you seven a second. Yeah, yeah, I do. No. I do. And and it goes back to a thought that I had, oh, I don't know, near near the start of this uh, conversation. And it was uh, retired Major General John Gronsky, who we had on as a guest uh, just a few days ago. And uh, he used the term, and, and he was using in a spiritual sense, uh, the term, uh, your calling. The calling. You feel a calling, whatever your calling is. And uh, he used that specifically uh, in, in uh, three, four different ways in, in our uh, conversation over here on The Collective. And so the calling has kind of stuck with me to some degree. Uh, I was talking about how I, I never, ever wanted to do this podcasting thing. And, and John Gronsky said, yeah, but that's probably your calling. And uh, so that's what I was thinking of as Eric was talking. Uh, and 
maybe Eric has assigned it as uh, he just wants to do something better for his community. He just wants to uh, turn things uh, around a little bit, uh, add a little mm. bit more optimism, not false optimism, but looking for the silver lining in maybe the storm clouds, as it were. And so uh, Eric has found a way, but I am curious now uh, because we can talk about uh, lots of academic aspects on this topic. We could talk about all sorts of nebulous things, but now let's get down to some meat and potatoes. For me, on this spiritual strength thing, I, I do kind of feel like this is a calling to some degree. And so I don't know what that means yet, but I'll figure it out because I've got faith that I'll figure it out based on how I've run my life, based on the patterns that I recognize in the world around me. So I feel like I've been called to do this. Now, since we're talking about spiritual strength, let's talk about the rest of the panel. How do you guys feel about the calling? Seb, what do you think? Yeah, just before I, I go on with this, I would love to just quickly go back on something Eric said, and it had to do with sort of the negative emotions that he was able to curb by doing this. And this is a, this is, this might've gone unnoticed by, by most, but it's a very important piece. At the end of the day, we know that say an acidic body or, or sugar filled body is going to be a festering place for cancer and a variety of different elements, right? Well, negative emotions do exactly the same with your life. Like you will start festering all kinds of things. So in, in, in this case, turning this into a, uh, a purpose-driven positive emotion releasing we're not talking about virtue signaling here virtue signaling does the same thing except you're not following up with whatever it is and you've never done whatever it is that you speak of or you never and when adversity hits as eric alluded to earlier you crumble that's virtue signaling but if you are out there wanting to help and it and it a part of that is self-serving and that it harbors positive emotions for you well, it does the same, it proliferates them around also. So it's it's really important to have the right environment if you are to help others and yourself. Um, as far as I'm concerned, for myself personally, I absolutely believe it is a calling. Absolutely believe it. I absolutely believe it was my calling. The first time I've ever said, give me a voice and I'll use it for good, I was about six. Like it's never changed ever throughout my entire life and i've always done that the difference between me and other people is that i stopped trying to patternize it i just accept it this is what i do and this is the path i'm going to be put on the path of certain people i don't always understand why and eventually it comes clear so instead of saying okay logically what is happening here that i've seen before or whatever the case may be i'm like nope if I'm meeting this person, there's a reason why I'm meeting this person. And at some point, that reason was, will, will uh, sort of expose itself. And that could be not only that I'm helping them, but they're helping me. It's, it's, a, it's a bilateral, you know, it's not, it's not just a one-way street. And it's not that I come around saving the world, because it isn't the case. I've been saved many times over by the people that, I was, that were put in my path. And so, yes, absolutely a calling. What it is exactly, no idea proliferating goodness, establishing connections between people, whatever, whatever it is. Love that. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, this is a, this is one of the calling is, is kind of like this, uh, you know, the hero's journey as it were, right? The call to the call to action. 
So in the same way that I made Sean a little uncomfortable, uh, I think the last time I was on here. <laughs> yes, you did. You know, when you're trying to go around the circle, I'm like, man. Uh, but I've I've written on it and I've I've kind of done the dive. I think that there's a lot that makes sense in hindsight, right? Hindsight's 2020. A lot that makes sense about my coming up, about my childhood, about my family situation, and uh, how I've interacted with history as as it's unfolded to bring me into a first responder capacity, right? Into a uniform capacity, uh, whether it was military or not, there's a lot that makes sense in hindsight. And there's a lot that makes sense about this, um, doing what we're doing for our, for our communities um, on these larger topics to try to elevate and optimize people and encourage them to optimize their lives, right? Um, there's certainly a lot that makes sense as far as uh, how I came into the career and with people kind of assigning, uh, you know, maybe lofty goals for me, you know, like, uh, you know, when you're 21 and people are like, Hey, you're getting in young and you're sharp and you're going to be chief someday somewhere. And I'm like, no, you know, uh, but now I'm just more like, I don't know. I think I'm with Seb and to say, I don't know where it'll land, but I want, I know the values and I know the, the objectives I have, which is to be positive and to grow self challenge, uh, challenge others around me and be in this space. You know, I think I am, the guy in the space that I am in and that's evolving as we go. But, uh, you know, something that's very hard for me is to not have the tangible concrete goals with benchmarks. It's just to accept the the position and know I'm putting in the work and, and doing the things and building the relationships and the connections and the positivity. Uh, there is this kind of release that is scary as much as it is encouraging to be in that space and just be open to what may come. That is a very, it's a very challenging thing. And I think uh, for many years, I fought the calling <laughs> with a tooth and nail. I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I, and I did not even know how to begin. And uh, it took me a while, just until, probably until the last couple of years, this year especially, where I've been able to actually let go of those thoughts and uh, attachments that I had onto certain things like titles or, um, you know, history or chips on my shoulder, stuff like that, where you just, why am I like, why that doesn't make any sense anymore. And it's only been uh, just recently that I've been getting into this. So it's this whole journey on the collective, especially has been, it has been an, it has been an opening salvo into another, hopefully 40 plus years of uh, awesomeness <laughs> to come. So just we'll a few. another realm, that. another realm of spirituality. <laughs> Yeah, man. Exactly. It's going to be awesome. Now we are just about out of time and it's been a fantastic conversation. So I do want to thank you guys, Eric and Seb and Sean. This has been outstanding. Uh, for those watching, by all means, put up uh, what you believe is your calling. Not just, is your, not just what you believe your calling is. Let's put it that way. In the comments, hit us up. Uh, engage in the conversation because uh, the more fe the more people and feedback we have on this, the better. Any, let's go into some final thoughts here. Anything uh, still percolating in the back of y'all's heads? Uh, what do you think, Seb? What do you got? I see your eyes just like. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's always something there, but it's not right. always. Uh, you can't always disclose it. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. So so um, you know. For me, I know for me, the, the concept of spirituality has been very, very closely tied into being in nature and connecting with nature, with the elements, with, 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 with the sun, as it were, with, with, with ferns and with rivers. And, you know, and I think what happens 
for me anyways is that real deep sense of connection trickled over to other things such as you know the water that i drink that goes down my throat that i'm lucky enough to just extend my arm and there's ice in there and somehow there's people that have to walk 10 kilometers to go get water that will get them sick and all these other things so it really increases mm, my gratitude and gratitude is massive when you when you are grateful for everything you have and everything that comes down the pipe including the things that are difficult for you but are making you better and stronger you start embracing adversity instead of hoping that it goes away and as it were adversity is never going away it's never going away if anything it's going to get worse it's not going to get better as we get older as we lose friends as we do x y and z so i think the sooner you make peace with that and your ability to to find meaning and gratitude in whatever endeavors you're taking on along along the this long journey um you're the better off you will be eric some final thoughts I love that. And it's not going to top that because uh, I love that you brought up gratitude in the context of all this, right? So when your chips are down, when you're down in the gutter, if you can be one of those people that quickly takes yourself out of that negative focused mindset on all the things that happen, but what you still have, although it might feel like very little, if you can make that little very great, then certainly you can recognize your ability to pick yourself back up, right? So that is very in line with this, this week's theme. Uh, but yeah, just recognizing what you do have because we all have so much. Yeah. Sean, some final thoughts. I don't know why I thought this, I've got an image in my mind and it just popped into my head. I'm trying not to question it, but, uh, as you were both talking, I was seeing a guy walk down a medieval castle hallway in the dark at nighttime with a little candle in front of his, uh, hand and uh, walking down, trying to light up the way as it were. And as he walked down the hallway, everything behind him started entering back into the shadows, back into the dark. And as he heads into the dark, he's just lighting a small way, but everything's disappearing behind him in the, in the pitch black, as it were, just because it's a tiny little candle. I think that represents to me the spirit of things, the spirit within us. If I've got a tiny little candle inside of me, I'm only lighting my own way. But if I've got a bonfire inside of me, now I'm lighting the way for others. I'm not only lighting up the hallway, I'm lighting up the castle. And so I think the thing that I just want to leave everyone with is decide whether you want to be a candle or a bonfire, whether you just want to light your own way or you want to light the way for others. That's where I'm going to end. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, that, I... <laughs> I don't know how to finish from that. Thanks how very much, you? Sean. Well done. <laughs> Love you that. Have, uh, it was fantastic. But I will close out with this in that I think spiritual strength and the conversation we've had today in terms of resilience not only built out the idea for myself personally, but uh, I think it's built out the idea for a lot of people as we've touched on a vast swath of this. And yet there is still... We could, I mean, again, we could sit here and talk all week about just spiritual strength, but um, I think it's really important that it all begins with the intentionality of wanting to do it. You got to learn about yourself. You got to learn about your spirit. You got to be able to build your own strength in periods of difficulty, and you got to be able to utilize those things to grow into the person that you're meant to be, and you can do that with us every day here on The Collective. 
to see you all tomorrow. Gmail.